Romans chapter 12. Start again in verse number 1 and 2, and then we're going to work down in this study. Really, this evening, I've got one thought that I want to give us, um, and uh, you pray. We pray as we look at this thought that the Lord would give that to us and be challenged by it. He says in verse number 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, or I beg of you, I plead with you, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man for measure, uh, the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, all and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, in every one member, one of another. Father, help us tonight. I pray you help us as we dig into your word. Lord, we, um, we need to understand what you desire for us to have from this passage. And uh, so, Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would reveal it to us, help us, give us wisdom, and uh, help us to apply this to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 12 is probably one of the most simplest chapters in the book of Romans. Romans itself is a difficult book to study. Uh, there is a lot of information that Paul gives. Uh, even from the beginning, you find where Paul is, is uh, dealing with some, some, some difficult issues. He's dealing with sin. He calls out specific sin. He is, he is, he is dealing with salvation. Mostly, most of what we talk about when we share the gospel, we, we get those verses. We call it the Romans road. How many of you ever use the Romans road to share the gospel with somebody? We, we show you're a sinner. We show that, that um, uh, you, you're separated from God and, 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 and uh, uh, death comes because of sin. And we use what we call the Romans road, and it's helping someone identify where they're at and then how they can be saved. And then Paul also talks about sanctification, and that is how we behave or how we grow now that we're saved. Chapter number 12, he comes to this, and he is speaking to those that are saved. He's not sharing, this, this chapter is not to try to show someone the need of salvation. We know he's speaking to them, as I said this morning, is because he says this in verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He's talking to the saved individual. He comes to chapter 12 and he now assumes that the person now understands salvation, but now they're needing to understand how they're supposed to walk as a child of God. And he addresses a lot, of, a lot of things here. And what I want you to see here, I showed you this morning, I asked you to, 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 in verse number two, circle or take note of that word prove. In that same verse, I want you to take note that he says this, in that word, your mind, by the renewing of your mind. I want to talk to you about that this evening. I want to talk to you about right thinking. Right thinking. Because if we're not careful, the things that are in our mind that every day of our life we are bombarded with. The things that we see, the things that we have to think about, it can cause us not to make the right decisions in life. And it starts with the right thinking. 
In chapter number 12, Paul is addressing pretty much how we think. How we think is going to also determine how we behave. Do you get that? How we think determines how we behave. How we respond. How we deal with a specific issue all goes back to how we think. You talk to somebody that maybe had a, a different upbringing than someone else and, and they think differently or they, they respond differently because of, of, of what was placed in their mind and, and, and their upbringing and, and now they're maybe thinking different than someone else. It's impossible. It is impossible for a group of people with different upbringings, different backgrounds, different in every area, to come together as a local church and thrive without our thinking changing from how when we were before we were saved. The only way, the only way anyone can get along in the Christian life is our, our thinking to be built upon Christ. Do you, ever, do you ever disagree with someone on something and the person is disagreeing with you and you just, you, you just almost want to beat your head against the wall? Why don't they understand? Why don't they get this? Why don't they get what I'm saying here? I'm right. You know what that person's saying? I don't understand. Why don't they understand me? Why don't they get this? I'm right. Right? You ever been there? How many of you were the right one in that case? Exactly right, every one of us. Right thinking. I want to talk to you about this tonight. The renewing of our mind. The reason, the reason there, ought to, there has to be renewing of our mind is because we no longer are thinking like we did when we were lost. And how many of you got saved at an older age in life? Not as a kid, but quite a few people. Okay, great. My father-in-law got saved as a... As an older man, he grew up in a Roman Catholic home, and, and uh, he grew up in a religious family, but they weren't a saved family. And, and my father-in-law growing up, and, and my wife, I think she was two or three when he got saved, and when my father-in-law got saved, his whole life changed. I mean, he, he, was, he was, some of the stories he'd tell, he, he was, he was uh, I don't want to tell all these stories, because when he comes, you're going to tell him I told you these stories, but he wasn't a very honest man, put it that way. There were ways that he would share with us. There were ways that what he would do at his job is they would think of ways how they could steal from the company and then they would resell the things that they would sell, the steal. He worked for the, he worked for, uh, uh, at the Philadelphia airport, a company that catered all of the, all of the airplanes. And back in those days, they would put these, these little bottles, um, that aren't, aren't soda on the airplane, and then they would go on the airplane and they'd take everything off, and then they would take it back and re-inventory it, and then they would fill the plane back up with fresh food and whatever else. Well, those little bottles he figured out he could get a lot of money for. So he and his friends would, would develop ways where they could adjust the inventory because it really nobody really knew. So they'd take these and they would start selling these. He was selling stuff on the black market. Yeah, he was a bad dude, wasn't he? And before he was saved, he, he would say this. He would say, I would constantly be thinking of ways to be dishonest because he was trying to make money. 
He's trying to get ahead. He didn't go to work thinking, I'm going to be a model employee and show Christ. Now, at the same job he was saved, there was somebody there that, that had witnessed to him and had handed him a track, and, and he had read that track, and, and there was a man there that was witnessing to him, and, and eventually the Lord saved him. And when the Lord saved him, he was completely different. His thinking now wasn't, how can I steal these things and resell these things? His thinking now is, 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 I can't believe how wrong I was. I apologize. I don't want anything to do with that lifestyle. And his whole life changed when he got saved. His thinking changed. You could say the, his mind was, was renewed by the gospel of Christ. And so I want us to talk tonight about right thinking. Right thinking. Because the reality is this, every one of us this week, we're going to be in a relationship, in a conversation, in an environment where if we don't have the right thinking, it can cause us much hurt. Do you know there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, lot of hurts. Uh, when we, our thinking is wrong, it hurts our judgment on things. It hurts our judgment. We as Christians, and we're going to see this evening, we as Christians, we, we, it's important that we make the right judgment on things, that we understand things. When our thinking is wrong, it hurts our relationships. There's many relationships that have been broken because of wrong thinking. When our thinking is wrong, it hurts our spirit. When our thinking is wrong, it hurts our attitude. Somebody might have a, a critical attitude or, a, or a, a bitter attitude about something because their thinking was wrong. It hurts. It hurts our joy. When our thinking is wrong, it hurts our joy. And it's all in our mind. How we think on a matter. How we think on a matter that we was dealt with. How something was dealt with. How we think. How we think... It impacts me. So we evaluate something happening and how we think it impacts us and it, it, it impacts me and, and, I, and I, I can come up with a conclusion how that was dealt with or how it wasn't dealt with all by the way I think. You know, humanism, it has in many cases, it's taken over our thinking in today's society. It's all about me. It's all about me. You know, in a humanistic philosophy, uh, 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 we don't need God because it really doesn't matter what God thinks. In a humanistic philosophy, in a humanistic culture, we don't really need the word of God because there, there is nothing absolute. All that matters is how I think. And the reality is that has infiltrated our world. That's infiltrated our culture. Matter of fact, if you study, go all the way back to Genesis chapter number three, when Eve was there in the garden, that is exactly what Satan said to Eve. You need to think differently. You can't trust God. Don't rely upon him and his word. What do you think on that matter, Eve? How does that make you feel? I believe this, that, that humanism, all humanism comes back to the root. It is satanic. It is from the devil. It's his way of getting us to be selfish in our thinking and not to, not to see the need of a Savior, not to see the need of a God, not to see a need of something absolute, because if I want to do it, then therefore it's right. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. We need to be careful as Christians with that thinking. Did you get that this evening? We need to be careful with, as Christians with thinking. Because we, according to Romans chapter number 12, 
our mind is to be renewed in Christ, and therefore how we think determines how we behave, and how we behave, it's proving something. Now listen, this is, this is what I want to get across here this evening, and I hope that this makes sense, and I hope that you can understand this tonight. We as Christians, we leave this place, and when we leave this place, we ought to leave with a purpose to show a world Christ. There should be no undercover Christians here in this church. But sometimes we do. We go to work and, okay, I, I, I'm a Christian at church and I'm a Christian at home, but I, I'm not a Christian at work. Now, I'm a good person, but I, I really don't want to, 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 to be that at work because it could get me into trouble. It could make things awkward. It could make things difficult. But God, God desires for us as his children in every environment we're in, in every situation we are in, to prove who he is. To prove, because we are that example that that person needs to see how a Christian behaves, who a Christian is. And that's why it's so critical that we think our mind is renewed and we think like Christ. Not just when everything goes our way. Not when just the environment is, is conducive to us thinking good. No, we are to be Christ-like even when things don't go our way. We aren't to lose our cool and, and act uh, irrational and, and act like the lost. In every situation, we are to prove Christianity is the answer. Did you get that? In every situation of our life, we should prove that Christianity is the answer, that Christ is the answer. So no matter what comes at me in my life, I want to prove that Christ is the answer. In my marriage and in child rearing and in my job and in my finances, in every area of my life, how I think, how I behave, how I respond, in every area of my life, it should be proving that Christ is is the answer. Are you with me this evening? That's what I want us to get this evening. Proving Christ, proving Christianity is our answer. Paul is addressing so many things in Romans up to this point. And much has to do with how they used to think before they were saved. And now how a Christian thinks now that they are saved. How many of you would say it's completely different? How many would say that? For me, I grew up in a Christian home. My father was in the ministry. I was in church, you know, as soon as I was in the nursery and grew up in church and never really missed. I was a Sparky in Awana. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in church. I don't know life outside of church. My kids are the same way. They've grown up in church. At the age of six years old, I trusted Christ as my Savior. But the reality is, I've heard the gospel up until that point. I couldn't tell you how many times. I didn't live a, a life in the world and in sin and get saved at a later, year, uh, later time in life. So for me, for me, that thinking or understanding or, or that model of a Christian, for me, my entire life, I've understood that. 
but there are maybe some this evening, some that maybe got saved later in life. You truly understand the difference thinking like a lost person and thinking like a saved person. You understand there's a, a difference. You, you truly understand that old nature and, and, and living that, that lifestyle and then God saving you and, and Christ coming in. and You understand that. Now, the salvation is the same. No matter if you're six and you grew up in a home that was parents of the ministry or you're 36, you've got to come to Christ by confessing your sin and putting your faith and trust in Christ. Salvation is the same, but that, that understanding or that lifestyle may be different. And Paul is speaking to many, many Christians here in Romans. He's, he's speaking to adults. He's preaching and speaking to those that are first-generation Christians that didn't grow up in Christianity, and now he's trying to get them to understand there's a different different way to think, a different way to behave for a Christian. The whole reason for thinking different now is I need to prove Christ in my life. I live for Christ. Therefore, everything has changed. Did you get that this evening? I live for Christ. Therefore, everything has changed in how I think. Right thinking. Look with me in verse number three. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think. See that word think? Circle that word think. He talks in verse number two of the mind and then verse number three, he says, I I, I don't want you to think of yourself more highly than, than you ought to think. Don't think you're better than someone. Don't think that your way is right. Don't think, don't think more high of yourself than someone else. He says this, he tells us how not to think, and in the same verse, he tells us how to think. He says this, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. He says, so don't think this way, but I want you to think this way. 1 Peter 5, 6, just turn over there. We're studying this on Wednesday evenings. Uh, so those that are there on Wednesdays, you know we finish with this. But I just want to uh, cross-reference these verses here. 1 Peter chapter number 5, and look with me in verse number 6. He says this in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that ye may exalt you in due time. He uses that word humble, or what he's saying is don't think too haughty of yourself or too highly of yourself. Peter is speaking to Christians. These are Christians that are scattered abroad. These were ones that were once Jews and now they're, now they're saved and they're, they're born again Christians. And Peter says to them, humble yourselves. Don't think too highly of yourself. He says this in the same verse, uh, uh, skip verse number, uh, or ver- verse number eight, I'm sorry. He says this, be sober, be vigilant. He's saying the same thing that Paul is saying. Think soberly, think seriously. Understand that what you're doing, understand that how you think, understand your actions, they are now there and you are representing Christ. Paul says that we're an ambassador for Christ, meaning this, that we are representing something different in a foreign land. This is not our home, and we're ambassadors. And what we're showing, we're showing how Christ would have his children, or God would have his children, uh, the act. And and we don't act like we are from planet Earth. We act like we're from heaven. That's how we as Christians ought to think. And so he says to be sober. 
Be vigilant. In verse number nine of 1 Peter 5, he says, whom resist steadfast in the faith. He talks about faith, just as Paul is talking about faith in Romans chapter number 12. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the grace, but the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he has suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Peter is addressing to the Christian here in 1 Peter, what Paul is addressing to the Christian here in Romans chapter number 12, he's talking about humility. He's talking about understanding who we are in light of Christ. And then, and then in verse number three, he's telling us to think soberly. Think soberly. How do we think? And I want you to see in verse number four and five, he says this, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Now, what is he saying there? He's, he's telling us this, that, that every one of us have a different job to do for the Lord. That's why he says, don't think too hard. Don't think that you're something special because you do something different than somebody else thinks. Every single person is to do something different in the body of Christ. Just like today here at this church, so many people did something different, but everybody that did something was needed for the cause of Christ. Amen. It isn't, well, whatever took place on this platform. So if you, if you sang or played an instrument or did something on the platform here because more people saw you, that means what they did was more important. No, there were some people that taught Sunday school classes. There are some people that worked out in the parking lot. There are some people that, that made sure the facilities were clean. There are some people that did some things that no one will ever know. And they're vitally important to this body and to this church. He goes on to say in verse number five, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one member one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Every single person has something different. God is gifting you. He's giving you the the ability to do something different, and it's him that chooses what that is. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portions of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it simplicity, with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And then he gets into the verses that we studied this morning, and he begins to talk about how we behave. You know what? All of that is affected by our thinking. How we think as a Christian. Number one, how we see ourselves. I don't see myself better than someone else. I see myself in Christ. When I start with that thought process, then I see that God has a need for every single person. You know, sometimes, sometimes in, in church, you know, sometimes people can be, get offended. Has, has anyone ever been offended here before? Two of us have been. Hmm. Anybody? Be honest. Raise your hand. It's okay. Maybe the person sitting next to you and they need to know they offended you. Huh? Hey, you been offended? You know, offending and not reconciling, do you know that hurts the body of Christ? You two guys, come here for a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you two guys as an example. Come on up here. 
Now, I'm just using these two guys, but the reality, we'd use everybody. God's gifted each and every one of us for the purpose to bring him glory. Do you agree with that? Yes. Amen. Good. Do you agree with that? So God's given me something by his grace. He's given me a measure of faith to be able to do what he's called me to do. He's given it to, to Steve to do what, come down this way a little bit, to what he's called him to do. He's given you a level of, of grace and faith to do what he's called you to do, Brother Shaw. And it's not for me to determine if their job is important or not. It's for me to understand my thinking that these men are needed for the cause of Christ. And I need to be correct in my thinking. I need to be correct how I, what I do and how I think and how I respond. Because do you understand this? With the wrong thinking, with the wrong attitude, with the wrong spirit, I can cause an offense with a brother. That would then get in the way of us doing what God desires for us to do. And I might say, you know, I don't really care what Brother Gagne says or what Brother Shaw says. I, I don't really care. That's where my thinking as a Christian is wrong, and I'm not humbling myself. You know what? I ought to be at a place where I'm humbled. You're important to the Lord. And therefore, therefore, I'm careful in my thinking. I'm careful in my dealing. I'm sober in my dealing so that I'm careful not to offend. Because if we get offended and my offense causes a brother to stumble, who's going to do what God's placed him here to do? There's a ministry that God's called you to. And if my thinking is incorrect, and my, my dealing is incorrect, and I don't deal like Christ would have me to deal, and my, I'm not bringing glory to the Lord, and I'm offensive to a brother, and, and, and I really don't care, you know what happens? I'm affecting the cause of Christ, the church. I didn't call them to the ministry. God did. I didn't give them the gifts that, that they have. God did. And I need to understand that they're here so that the church moves forward. For what reason? So we as a body of believers can prove who Christ is. And that's why it's so different us dealing as Christians than, than the lost dealing in the world. You know, I believe this. You don't write a brother or sister off in Christ. Well, we just don't get along. You don't get along because your thinking is wrong. I, I should be able to get along with Brother Shaw. I should be able to get along with Brother Gagne. If my mind is renewed, if my mind is transformed, if I'm thinking like Christ, if he's the one that I'm after, he's the one I want to bring glory to, I don't know what could offend you and what could offend you and I. But let pride get in. The Bible says where pride is, there's what? Contention. Let me, let me feel that I'm more important. Let me feel that my decisions are more important. Let me feel that my, my desires are more important. Let me feel that my position is more important. Let me feel that what I think is more important, you know what it'll cause? Division. 
And division within the church, division within the, the body of Christ, it only hurts the cause of Christ. Are you with me tonight? The local church, the body of believers, the body of Christ is here to prove who Christ is. In my marriage, I need to have the right thinking so in my marriage, I show a lost world who Christ is. And that means I behave a certain way. That means my eyes are, 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 are only looking at my wife or my husband. My, my, my thought, my love, my care is only looking to those that Christ has given me because what I want to do is live a life in such a way to where I prove who Christ is. We as believers need to, need to have the right thinking so that there's the right unity so the church moves forward so a lost world sees the hope in Christ. Now listen, there are going to be tensions and there's going to be contention and there's going to be trouble. Have you ever had troubles? Sure. There's always going to be problems. There's going to be, he says, he calls them tribulations here in Romans chapter number 12. Peter talks about them, the suffering. There's always going to be trials or heartache that comes in life because we're still here on this earth. And so what Paul is saying, and Paul is not, or what Paul is not saying is that once you get saved, everything's good. No, what Paul is saying, now that you're saved, your thinking has to be right so that when the trials come, when the problems come, when the conflict comes, we handle them correctly so we prove Christ. Could you imagine as a Christian living a life where the testimony is that life is miserable, there is no hope? When we as Christians ought to live in such a way to where our testimony is, there's hope in Christ. I don't care what tribulation you're in. I don't care what problem you're in. I don't care what conflict you're in. There is hope in Christ. The answer to all man's problems is Jesus Christ. And we as believers in Christ ought to be proving that in our life. There's always going to be conflict with people. Always. But a Christian whose mind is transformed, a Christian who's continually being renewed, a Christian who's thinking on Christ can deal with anything that comes because what he's doing is he's allowing Christ to make the decision, not himself. Have you ever made a bad decision? Who's made a bad decision? Only to regret it. Man, it's called being human. Do you know this? When our mind is stayed upon Christ, Christ has never made a bad decision. Christian, we are to live in this world. Come back over here, guys. I'm tired of walking over there. <clears throat> We're to live in this world. And these, these would represent, these two men represent every relationship that we would have. Okay? So they represent... Marriage, they represent child uh, uh, rearing, they represent our, our church membership, they represent any, any relation, our friendships, they, rela they represent every relationship we have. And in these relationships, I am showing a lost world how Christ would have us to live. They represent finances, they represent giving, 
they represent, you just go through the list in Romans chapter number 12 from verse number 9 down. Every relationship is represented right here. Let's just pretend. Let's pretend everybody here in this room is lost. We're just going to pretend it for a minute. And you're watching. You've got broken relationships. You've got hurt. You've got trials. You've got burdens. You've got all the problems of life. Do you know where the lost ought to see Christ? In these relationships right here. Somebody in your workplace struggling in their marriage, you know what they ought to see? These relationships right here. Somebody in society, somebody in work struggling with a relationship with a friend, you know what they ought to see? These relationships right here. We ought to prove that Christ is the answer. Do you agree with that? And that's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter number 12. Proof. But it's all about our thinking. Because when I let the old man in the flesh get in the way, these relationships aren't as important as they should be. Because I become more important than I should be. And when I become more important than what I should be, I don't have a clear mind how important Christ desires these relationships to be. And why are these so important? Because it's through these we prove to a world they need Christ. Do you see that? If Christ isn't the answer to us as Christians and how we live and how we think, then how are we ever going to show a lost and dying world he's the answer for their needs? We won't. It comes to our mind. No one is more needed, but all are needed. Every thought, as a Christian, ought to be filtered through the screen of God's Word in Christ. Every relationship I have ought to be filtered through a screen of God's Word in Christ. That's how I keep a right mind. The minute I start filtering it through my desire and my lust and my problems and my issues and me, 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 it always causes conflict. Conflict causes us then not to be the lighthouse that we ought to be. I grew up, I was born in Port Huron, Michigan, and lived there a few years. And right in Port Huron, there's a lighthouse. How many of you like lighthouses? I love, I love to look at lighthouses. But you know that as beautiful as the lighthouses are, if their lights don't work, they're not effective. Matter of fact, there's no use. 
a lighthouse is necessary because there's ships out in the storm that need direction, right? But if a lighthouse doesn't light, where do the ships in the storm get direction? We as a Christian, we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove what is good and acceptable in perfect will of God. Every single one of us here, now you're all saved again, okay? You're not lost anymore. You're all saved now. You are to be a lighthouse in every area, in every conflict, in every trial, in every situation, in every discouragement, in every encouragement, in every area of your life. You are supposed to show the world how Christ responds. He says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beseech you therefore, brethren, I beg of you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know what Paul is saying? This is what you're just supposed to do as a Christian. Like, we don't even argue this fact. That's a reasonable service. Christ died for me. He loved me. He came to this earth to, to shed his blood. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was, he was, the crown of thorns was placed upon his head. His beard was plucked. His back was beaten. He was pierced on the cross. He shed his blood. God, God in his wrath, because God had to, 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 his wrath came upon him because of sin. He turned his back and Jesus sat there on the cross. He said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Never, never in history has the Father ever not looked upon the son but he couldn't that day because of our sin and my sin and we it's our reasonable duty a reasonable service now that we're saved to show someone else christ listen there are too many christians that are living in society that have bad testimonies. And it ought not be. Every one of us ought to leave here and start our work tomorrow and have the best testimony of everyone there. And Paul talks about that in verse number nine, all the way down. He talks about our service. He talks about our working. We ought to be the hardest workers. We ought to be the most joyful to be around. It's not us that is starting to gossip. It's not us that, 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 that is starting issues. It's not us that are complaining. It's us that are bringing peace to every relationship because I want to show you what it's like to be saved. I want to show you what it's like to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want to show you what it's like to show you how a Christian acts. Every one of us, we go out into a lost and dying world, they ought to see how a Christian acts. I go home this evening to my, my, my wife, I go home this evening to my children. I need to show them how a Christian behaves. It's my reasonable duty. You know what that means? That's just like 101. That ought to be natural for a person whose mind is stayed upon Christ. Christ. 